Chapter 6, The Mist of Time. As Erickson rode across the bay, the waves were rough, but his oar strokes were strong and steady. So where do you live? Jack asked, rocking from side to side. Eric's Inlet. The boy nodded to a place between the steep hills where the sea flowed in. Did people name it for your father? said Annie. No, said Erickson. My father named it for himself. Does he work at one of the research stations? Jack asked. Erickson looked puzzled. I mean, is he a scientist? asked Jack. The boy shook his head. He is a sailor, he said. Oh, cool, said Jack. I am a seafarer too, said Erickson. Soon I will sail away on my own. Annie laughed as if she thought he was kidding. Jack didn't know what to think. He liked Erickson, but he couldn't figure him out. The boy's manner, his spear, and his outfit were really odd. And who says seafarer anymore, Jack wondered. Erickson rode through the choppy waters and into Eric's inlet. The hills on either side of the narrow water passage sparkled with ice and snow. As the boat moved along the inlet, clouds covered the sky. The air grew foggy. Soon it was hard to see where they were. Jack could hear seabirds cawing, but he couldn't see them. Icebergs drifted close to the rowboat. They looked like ghost ships. Spooky, said Jack. Yeah, Annie whispered, but we're doing what our rhyme says to do. On a day that seems endless, with no dark of night, travel through fog, travel through light. Right, we are, said Jack, but I still don't know what no dark of night means. Before Annie could answer, a bellowing noise came up from ahead. What's that? said Jack. The rowboat moved past a flat iceberg. Through the fog, a huge animal loomed into view. The creature was as big as a polar bear. It had two long tusks. A walrus, said Jack. The walrus had bushy whiskers, a broad head, and flippers. Its wrinkled skin was the color of cinnamon. Hi, mister, said Annie with a laugh. I didn't know walruses were so big. Erickson rode on. He steered the boat between sheets of floating ice. Two ringed seals rested on one sheet. Seagulls were perched on another. Look, a reindeer, said Annie. Through the fog, Jack saw a delicate-looking deer on the shore. Its antlers looked like tall tree branches. You're beautiful, called Annie. The reindeer dipped its head shyly. She said thanks, said Annie. Did you know reindeer are also called caribou? Cool, said Jack. And their noses warm the cold air before it goes to their lungs, said Annie. Like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, said Jack with a laugh. Did you write a report on reindeer too? No, said Annie. I just really love learning stuff like that. Jack smiled. Annie knew more about animals than anyone. She could talk to them and hear them in special ways. As Erickson rode down the river of seawater, the fog cleared. The clouds drifted off. The cliffs and the waves sparkled with sunlight again. Soon they passed low hills and greenish-brown fields. There was less ice and snow. A few trees dotted the land. Sheep were scattered across the hillsides. Oh, this is so beautiful, Annie said. Has your family lived in Greenland for a long time? Eight years, said Erickson. We began the voyage from Iceland with 25 ships, but 11 ships did not make it. Are you serious, said Jack? Yes, said Erickson. That's so sad, said Annie. Jack was confused. What year was this? Everyone knew the journey would be hard, said the boy. He looked over his shoulder as he rode around a curve. 
This is where we live, he said as the boat glided into a sheltered cove. Wow, breathed Danny. Anchored along the water's edge were 14 ships. They were long, slender sailing ships made of wood. Dragon heads were carved into their prows. Jack gasped. He'd seen ships like these before. They were Viking ships. Suddenly, Jack understood what had happened. He and Annie had come to Greenland in the time of Vikings, about a thousand years ago. Chapter 7, Another World. Lots of things made sense to Jack now. Erickson's clothes, his spear, calling himself a seafarer, and his story of 11 ships lost while sailing from Iceland to Greenland. Erickson rode toward a small wooden pier near the Viking ships. When the boat reached the shore, he jumped out. We are here, he said. Jack and Annie climbed carefully out of the boat. As Erickson tied it to the pier, Jack turned to Annie. Those are Viking ships, he whispered. We saw ships like that on our mission to Ireland. Remember, Viking raiders were invading the coast? Yikes, said Annie, her eyes wide. We should escape now while we can, said Jack. Wait, wait, let's look at the rhyme, said Annie. Jack slipped the rhyme out of his bag. Annie pointed to the last verse. They read silently. Explore different worlds, show friends where to go, unite all these worlds with a word that will glow. I think we're doing what Morgan wants, Annie said. We explored the world of seals and orcas and narwhals and now this world, the Viking world. But what about, Jack started. Shh, said Annie. Erickson had finished tying up the boat. Jack put the rhyme back into his bag. Follow me, Erickson said. Even though he was still limping, Erickson walked faster than Jack and Annie. He bounded across the rocky shore and started up a hill. Jack and Annie hurried after him. Soon they could see a cluster of buildings over the crest of the hill. There was a long wooden house and smaller thatched huts and several barns. A few people were working in the chilly sunlight. They were all dressed in several layers of clothing. Women were hanging clothes to dry. Men were stacking wood. A boy was leading cows to a barn. A few girls were feeding hogs and ducks. Chickens and dogs wandered about. Suddenly, the dogs began to bark. Everyone looked around. A woman cried out and pointed at Jack and Annie. Two brown and white dogs bolted down the hill, barking ferociously. Erickson shouted a command. The dogs stopped barking. A tall, burly man strode down the slope. My father, said Erickson. Erickson's father had long red hair and a wild, bushy beard. He carried an axe. Oh no, whispered Jack. The Viking man looked fierce. Wait here. Erickson ordered Jack and Annie. Leaving them with the dogs, he limped to his father. Jack nervously watched him speak to the wild-looking man. How are you guys doing today? Annie asked the dogs. The dogs barked. Oh, you're just pretending to be scary, she said. The dogs tilted their heads, then started to pant. Their tails were wagging. Annie laughed and held out her hand for the dogs to sniff. Their sniffing quickly turned into licking. Erickson and his father walked down to Jack and Annie. This is my father, Eric, the boy said. He is the chieftain here. Oh, uh, hello, sir, said Jack. Glad to meet you, said Annie. Where do you come from? Erickson's father asked in a deep voice. Frog Creek, Pennsylvania, said Jack. In the United States of America, Annie added. You might not have heard of it, Jack said quickly. 
No, I have not. Where is that? Eric asked gruffly. It's on the continent of North America, said Annie. Oh no, thought Jack. He knew the Vikings hadn't yet heard of the United States or North America. In Eric's time, the United States wouldn't be a country for another 700 years. But Eric just nodded. So you are from far away, he said. Yes, said Annie. Welcome, said Eric. He turned to his son. Leif, let us take your friends to the house. Thanks, said Annie. Then she and Jack started up the hill, following the boy and his father. Eric called the boy Leif, Jack thought. Leif? Leif Erickson? Leif Erickson? Annie, he whispered. Erickson's first name is Leif. I heard that, she said. Erickson must be his last name. Yes, I've read about Leif Erickson and Eric the Red, said Jack. They're famous. Famous, said Annie. Uh, yeah, said Jack. They're two of the most famous explorers in the history of the world. Chapter 8, Around the Fire Are you serious, said Annie. Leif was the first European to step onto the North American continent, said Jack, 500 years before Christopher Columbus. No way, breathed Annie. Yes way, said Jack. Come along, Eric called from farther up the hill. Annie and Jack hurried to catch up with Leif and his father. So, you're Eric the Red and Leif Erickson? Annie asked excitedly. Yes, Eric said. Before Annie could say more, Jack changed the subject. Why did you decide to live here, in Greenland? He said. I wanted a new life, Eric said. People call us pirates, but I am a seafarer who searches for safe harbors where I can live with my family. I have found one here at the edge of the world. I named it Greenland. Why? asked Annie. I mean, why'd you call it that? Because the word is nice. Is it not? said Eric with a wink. I hoped it would make others want to come live here too. The small group of people watched as Jack and Annie climbed to the top of the hill with Leif and Eric. One of the women in the group stepped forward. She had long blonde braids and a kind face. Who are these children, my son? she said to Leif. My new friends, Jack and Annie, said Leif. They come from far away. Leif's mother smiled. Welcome, Jack and Annie. Come share our dinner with us, she said. She led them to the largest house on the hill. It was a long stone house with a steep roof made of grass. Leif's mother ushered Jack and Annie through the door. She took Jack and Annie's hats, gloves, and coats. She put them on a bench near the door. Jack put his wool bag there, too. The Viking house was dark and warm inside. Lit only with oil lamps, the windowless house was one long, narrow room. In the center was a fire pit. Smoke rose through a hole in the roof. The house smelled of fish and grease and animal fur. Eric and Leif sat on low stools near the fire. Sit, warm yourselves, Eric said. Jack and Annie sat down with them. Leif's mother stirred a black pot over the fire. Then she ladled food into stone bowls and gave them to everyone, along with wooden spoons. Thank you, said Jack and Annie. The food in the bowl looked like a milky gray mush. Jack was afraid to taste it. But when he did, he actually liked it. It tasted like oatmeal. Did you sail here with your family and friends? Eric asked them as they ate. No, it's just us, said Annie. Jack and me. But how is that possible, said Eric. How did two children find their way here, alone? Uh, well, Jack didn't know what to say. We have a map, said Annie. A map, 
said Eric. A map, said Leif. May we see it? Sure, said Jack. He put down his bowl and grabbed his bag. He took out their map. He unfolded it and held it up for them to see. Leif and his parents stared in silent wonder. Our land is south of here, said Jack, pointing. It's a long way south. It's, well, it's off the map. So you use this map to come to Greenland in your ship? asked Eric. Uh, we came in the treehouse, said Annie. Treehouse? That is the name of your ship? asked Eric. Well, sort of, said Jack. It's not much of a ship, but you guys have really great ships. We saw, wait, your ship must be the best in the world, said Eric. Two children sailed it alone to Greenland? I would very much like to see a ship such as yours. Oh, Jack caught his breath. Let us go see it now, Eric stood up. Um, can we please wait until morning, Annie said. We're pretty tired. Eric, let the children rest, Leif's mother said. In the morning, we will all go. The whole village will go to see their wondrous ship. Come, Jack and Annie. She picked up an oil lamp. They all stood. Good night, Annie said to Leif and Eric. Jack put their map back into his bag. Then he and Annie followed Leif's mother to a shadowy end of the house. You may sleep here, she said. She pointed to two fur-covered benches against the wall. Thank you, said Annie. She and Jack climbed onto the benches, and Leif's mother covered them with more soft furs. Rest well, she said. Keep the lamp burning so you will not be afraid. She put the oil lamp on a small table. Then she left them. Jack, whispered Annie, we don't have a ship to show them. I know, he said. We'd better leave soon. After everyone goes to bed, we can sneak away. Right, said Annie. We can borrow Leaf's rowboat. She yawned. It'll be dark outside, said Jack, trying to keep his eyes open. How will we find our way? We can worry about that later, said Annie. Right, said Jack, closing his eyes. Let's just rest Ugh. until Leaf and his parents go to bed. Stay awake. Don't go to... Before Jack could say sleep, he dropped off to sleep. Chapter 9, The Midnight Sun. Jack, Annie whispered, wake up. Jack rubbed his eyes. Where is everyone? He asked. I just checked. They're asleep at the other end of the house, said Annie. We have to go. Now, said Jack, maybe we should wait till daylight. No, they might get up before then, said Annie. You're right, said Jack. He threw off the warm fur and sat up. Let's go, said Annie. She picked up the burning oil lamp. Jack grabbed his bag. As they crept to the door, snoring came from the other end of the long house. They stopped at the bench by the door. In the dim light of the lamp, they put on their coats and hats and mittens. We should write a note to Leaf, whispered Jack. Good idea, said Annie. Jack pulled out his notebook and pencil from his bag. How's this? He whispered as he wrote. Dear Leaf, we had to leave suddenly. We are borrowing your rowboat to go back to the bay. We will leave it where we met you. Many thanks to you and your family. Perfect, said Annie. And let's leave him our map since he liked it so much. Good idea, breathed Jack. He tore the note from the notebook and placed it on the bench with their map. Jack and Annie pulled on their gloves. Then Annie opened the door and they slipped out of the house. It was freezing outside. But to Jack's surprise, it was sunny. What time is it? He said, I thought it was night. Me too, said Annie. 
but no one's around, not even the dogs. Hurry! Jack and Annie took off down the hill. In the cold, windy sunlight, they hurried to the shore. Small waves were splashing against the moored Viking ships. Leif's rowboat was tied to the pier near them. Jack and Annie stepped onto the pier, and Jack untied the rope. Just as he and Annie were about to climb aboard, someone yelled, Stop! Oh no, said Annie. Leif was limping down the hill toward them. He held their note and map in his hand. I heard you leave, he called. Then I read your message. I must take you to your ship. It is not easy to row in windy waters. But your knee still hurts. I can tell, said Annie. Leif shrugged. That is not important, he said. We should go quickly so I can return before morning. Morning? I thought it was morning now, said Jack. It is close to midnight, Leif said. You have come in the time of the midnight sun. I get it, Annie said to Jack. On a day that seems endless with no dark of night. Right, said Jack. Now he remembered the midnight sun. In the far north, the summer sun can still be seen at midnight. Here, you forgot this, said Leif. He thrust the map and note into Jack's hands. You will need your map to sail your ship home. No, we won't, said Jack. We know the way. You need it more. He handed the map back to Leif. Oh, Leif stared at the map as if it were made of gold. I cannot believe you would give this to me, he said. Thank you very much. No problem, said Annie. Leif smiled. Let us go, he said. Jack put the note into his coat pocket. Then he and Annie climbed aboard. Leif sat across from them. He began rowing through the choppy water. Tell me about your land, he said. What is it like? It has everything, said Annie. Mountains and valleys and oceans and rivers and lakes and forests and grassy plains, said Jack, and farms, small towns, and huge towns called cities. With the wind at their backs, Leif rowed swiftly. The water was bathed in a gold mist. Soon, Leif rowed the boat from Eric's inlet into the bay. You can drop us off there, said Jack. He pointed to the shore where they had saved the narwhal. But where is your ship? asked Leif. Um, I'm really sorry, but we promised the person who owns it that we would not show it to anyone, Annie said. I understand, said Leif, nodding. We must always honor our promises. You should hurry home before your mom and dad wake up, said Annie. They'll be worried if they find you missing. Yes, said Leif, smiling. They will think I have sailed away with you. They know I am eager to travel to faraway places. Leif rode to the shore, and Jack and Annie hopped out of the boat. Goodbye, the Viking boy said. I thank you again for your map. I promise I will make good use of it. And I promise you will have great success, said Jack. Do you think so, said Leif. Absolutely, said Annie. Leif raised his arms above his head and clenched his fist. Yay, he said. Jack and Annie laughed. Leif waved goodbye. Using his oars, he pushed his boat offshore. I hope your knee feels better soon, called Annie. I have already forgotten about it, Leif called back. Then he rowed away through the soft light of the Arctic night. Leif's really tough and brave, said Annie. He'll make a good explorer. Yeah, a great one, said Jack. He took a deep breath. I guess we can go now. Jack and Annie walked around the bend in the shore. Annie gasped. Jack, look, she said. What, said Jack. There, in the water, at the edge of the ice, said Annie. A narwhal, whispered Jack. Yes, said Annie, our narwhal.
Chapter 10, A Word That Glows. Hi, you're back, said Annie. The narwhal was about 10 feet away. He was swimming near a sheet of ice that jutted out from the shore. His ivory tusk was pointed at them. Is something wrong with him, said Jack. Why is he here? He wants to tell us something, said Annie. How do you know, said Jack. I just know, said Annie. I'm going out to him. I'll crawl on the ice. No, don't, said Jack. It could crack. Don't worry, it's really thick, said Annie. It's probably been here for thousands of years. Annie stepped out onto the packed ice. Then she got on her hands and knees and began crawling toward the narwhal. Careful, said Jack. I got it, said Annie, reaching the edge of the ice. The narwhal raised his head above the water. Hi, you, what's up, said Annie, grinning. Why did you come back? The narwhal made noises that sounded like a door creaking. Then he tapped Annie's head with his unicorn horn. Annie laughed. Thank you, she said. The narwhal then turned and swam away. He soon disappeared under the water. Annie crawled back toward Jack. She stepped off the ice sheet onto the shore. That was so cool, she said. What happened, said Jack. Simple, said Annie. He came back to thank us. You're kidding, said Jack. Nope said Annie. That's basically what he said. Thanks. And then I said thanks back. That's all, said Jack. That's enough, said Annie. Jack took a deep breath. Okay, now we can leave. He and Annie quickly walked over the slope. The treehouse was still sitting on the pebbly shore. It was lit by the orange and red light of the midnight sun. Jack and Annie slipped through the window. Annie grabbed the Pennsylvania book that always took them home. She pointed to a photo of the Frog Creek Woods. I wish we could go there. Nothing happened. The wind did not start to blow. I wish we could go there, Annie said again. The wind still did not start to blow. Why aren't we leaving, said Jack. Let's look at our rhyme, said Annie, at the last verse. Jack pulled the rhyme out of his bag. He read aloud, explore different worlds, show friends where to go. Okay, we did that, said Annie. We showed our friends where to go. We gave Leaf our map, and we showed the narwhal how to escape from the shallow water. Yeah, we did all that, said Jack, and I wasn't even thinking about the rhyme. Read the rest, said Annie. Jack read the last two lines. Unite all these worlds with a word that will glow. I forgot about those lines too, said Jack. What do they mean? What's the word? I don't know, but if it glows, it must be written down somewhere, said Annie. Check your notebook. Jack pulled out his notebook, and he and Annie looked at it together. Oh, man, I forgot to take any notes, said Jack. What about our Greenland book? He took out the Greenland book and thumbed through it. Nothing glowing here. Wait, what about our message to Leaf's family, said Annie. Jack reached into his pocket and pulled out the crumpled note. He and Annie looked at it together. Nothing, said Jack. Hold on, said Annie. Look at the letter T. Annie pointed at the letter T near the bottom of their note. The letter seemed a little brighter than the other letters. Then, suddenly, it glowed like it was on fire. Next to the T, the letter H grew brighter. Then A grew brighter. Then the next letter, N. One by one, the letters grew brighter until T-H-A-N-K-S was all aglow. Thanks, cried Annie. That's the word. Thanks, said Jack. Why thanks? 
I'll explain when we get back, said Annie. We can go now. Annie pointed at the picture of Frog Creek again. I wish we could go there. The wind started to blow. Yay, it worked, said Jack. The treehouse started to spin. It spun faster and faster. Then everything was still, absolutely still. Chapter 11, you. Warm air filled the treehouse. No time at all had passed in Frog Creek. The sky was dark blue. The first stars were out. Jack and Annie were wearing their summer clothes again. Welcome home, said Annie. Jack sighed with relief. Frog Creek seemed especially nice in the soft twilight. The wood smelled of green trees and green plants. Let's go, said Jack. He left Morgan's rhyme, the Greenland book, and their note for leaf on the floor of the treehouse. Then he put his notebook into his backpack and headed down the rope ladder. Annie followed. As Jack and Annie started through the woods, the air was filled with the sounds of crickets and tree frogs. So, do you get it about thanks? Annie asked. Uh, sort of, but it seems so ordinary, said Jack. People say it all the time, and they don't even think about it. Exactly, said Annie. So, let's think about it. Okay, said Jack. You say thanks when someone helps you or is nice to you or gives you a gift, right, said Annie. Yeah, said Jack. Leaf helped us free the narwhal, and we said thanks, said Annie. His parents gave us food, and we said thanks. We gave Leaf our map, and he said thanks. The narwhal came back and said thanks, and I thanked him for thanking us and for just being amazing. Got it, said Jack. But what does thanks do? Annie took a deep breath. Okay, this is the important part, she said. When the Vikings say thanks to us and we thank them, our world joins with their world. We unite our worlds like the rhyme said. Two worlds, a thousand years apart, come together. Whoa, that's cool, said Jack. Jack and Annie came out of the woods and started down the sidewalk. There's more, said Annie. Her eyes were shining. When the narwhal says thanks, our world joins with his world, a world in the darkest deep sea no one knows much about. But if people really knew how to thank narwhals just for being amazing and how to hear their thanks, it could change everything, like it might save them if they're ever in danger. She sounded close to tears. Do you get it now? Yeah, I do actually, said Jack. Thanks to you. No, thanks to you, said Annie. No, you, said Jack. You, said Annie. You, 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 said Jack. Thanks to both of us, shouted Annie. Come on, we're late, said Jack. He and Annie ran down their dark street. They crossed their yard. They dashed up the porch steps and banged through the front door. Mom, Dad, we're home, shouted Annie. Thanks for everything, yelled Jack. The end.